Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where our spirit gets fed, where our faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. When things feel hopeless and overwhelming, what you need is strength for the inside. And that doesn't come just by eating natural food. Your spirit needs to be fed just like your body needs to be fed. And the scripture uses the phrase nourished up in the words of faith. Just like if you were starving physically and had gotten so weak that you couldn't even get up out of bed and walk around. And somebody was able to come give you some good, fresh, hot, healthy food, and you ate it and you drank it, immediately you'd begin to feel strengthened. You'd begin to feel refreshed, right? You could begin to sit up in the bed. Why? Because that food gave you strength. Your body could use it. And so uh, in, in spirit, inside, in your heart, you can get weak and you can get hopeless and you can just feel like, you know, I've heard people say, I can't, I just can't, I just can't deal with this. Well, it's not necessarily that the problem is so huge. It can be that you're so weak. And the stronger you get, the smaller the problem looks. <laughs> because the stronger your faith in God, you begin to get a picture of how big He is. And compared to Him and His ability, no problem is big compared to him. So in order to, to break out of the, the defeat and the hopelessness, that's what you need. You, you need to hear something other than the problem. You need to hear something other than there's no way. You need to hear, yes, there's a way. <laughs> he is the way. Yes, it's possible. And not just empty talk, but something with spiritual substance in it, if you'll receive it, it'll get in you, and immediately you'll start feeling renewed, refreshed, strengthened. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, all of us agree together today is touching this, asking you for these words, words that only you can give, words, your words, that are spirit and are life, your words that are healing, and strength and help. We ask for them. We believe we receive them. We lay hold of them. We thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise God. Look please in Hebrews, the, uh, the third chapter, and let's continue in our series that we're calling Overcoming Unbelief. We found out in the previous series that we are overcomers. And that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. What do we overcome with our faith? Well, one thing that we overcome 
is unbelief. And there's much to, to know about that, to understand. Don't, don't assume you know all about that. Oh, well, I, you know, I'm not in unbelief. I'm in faith. Do you know what it looks like? Do you, do you realize? You know, uh, one of the big evidences of unbelief is complaining. <laughs> okay, let's just take one of them. 1 Corinthians 10 that we read yesterday says that. Warns you. Says don't murmur like they murmured. They got destroyed. What does complaining have to do with getting destroyed? <laughs> See, most folks, Christian people, church going people, they don't think like that. And if you were to say, you know, oh, don't complain, what would they probably respond? Oh, I wasn't complaining. <laughs> I was just, <laughs> I mean, to hear people talk, you would think these verses might as well not be here because nobody really needs them, you know? Nobody's complaining and are you kidding? There's murmuring on every side, griping, complaining, fault-finding, blaming. I'm not talking about unsafe people. I'm not about Christian people, church-going people, and there's so much of it until it seems normal. But that is unbelief, and that unbelief can rob you. It can cause you to not enjoy things that Jesus has already bought and paid for and given to us. Now, when you say something like that, people say, oh, no, no, Brother Keith, oh, no, no, you're talking about works because grace has already given everything to us. Yeah. But grace doesn't receive it for you. Yes, you don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. Yes, it's already been bought. It's already been paid for. It's already been given. But there are billions of people on the planet lost. Lost. Even though Jesus already paid for their sins. How can that be? Because they won't receive him. They won't receive the salvation. They won't receive the free gift. And how do you receive what grace is given? You're back to faith again. <laughs> by faith. We're saved by grace. We're saved through faith. Grace gives it to you. But, you know, I could be offering you, you know, a million dollars. I can, I can you know, have suitcases. I can, I can have the check. And you can go... Mm. Well, here, receive it. I've actually tried to give things to people before, and they said, oh, I can't take that. I said, sure you can. I mean, I got it in my hand. And I said, sure you can. They go, no, I just can't receive that. I said, sure. You open your hand. I'll put it in there. You close it. Then you have it. And in this particular case, they would not receive it. Because I said, oh, no, I don't, you know, that's expensive. I don't want that. I can't, I can't have that. Well, it wasn't true. In my mind, I had already given it to them. But they never enjoyed it. They never enjoyed it. Why? Not because I hadn't given it to them, but because they wouldn't receive it. And that's the big thing. That's why we keep talking about faith. Some of them might say, well, why don't you talk about grace more? Well, I do talk about it some, but grace is God's part. I don't have to work on God's part. He's got his part. <laughs> Come on, can you see this? God's good at his part. 
You know whose part I need to work on? My part. What's my part? Not the grace part. My part's the faith part. My part's the receiving part. And so that's why we keep talking about it. Well, in, in Hebrews 3, he said, verse 7, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. He said, verse 12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Verse 18, To whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. What kept them out? Why couldn't they get out of the desert and get into the promised land? Why couldn't they get out of that bleak, dry, desolate existence that was literally sapping the life out of them, making them old before their time, they're having no fun? What kept them out of the blessings of God, the land that flowed with milk and honey, houses you didn't build, wells you didn't dig, orchards, vineyards, all of that. What kept them out? Only one thing. It wasn't that God couldn't get them in. He proved that with the next generation. Right? It wasn't that nobody could believe God under those circumstances. Joshua and Caleb did. Right? It wasn't that. What was it? It was their refusal to trust Him. Their refusal to listen to Him, believe Him, and obey Him. That kept them out. And the reason why Hebrews and 1 Corinthians and other places talking about it in the New Testament is because it is still holding people out of what God has for them. The unbelief. And so we should see unbelief as a, a, a dangerous enemy. And when he says, take heed, lest what happened to them happen to you, what should we do? We should take it seriously and we should take it personally. We, we should be on the watch to go, and I, I, I can't get in unbelief. I cannot let myself do what they did. And instead of acting like, oh, that won't happen, oh, that won't happen, you're living in a fantasy world. Why won't it happen? Because you're alive? <laughs> no. What the Scriptures are saying is if you don't do something different, it will happen. Because this is so pervasive over the whole world. I, I've known individuals who were excited about preaching faith as I am today. I'm talking about 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And now, those same individuals, not even in the ministry anymore, say they don't even believe in this anymore. Well, was it a danger that they could get into unbelief? That they could harden their heart? You think they thought it was back when they were preaching this? Uh-uh. They, they were, if you'd have told them, you know, in a few years, you'll say all that stuff's not even true. You won't even be going to church anymore. They'd say, are you kidding? No. And yet, something happened along the way. Come on, can you see this? Something happened to where they got disillusioned. They got to listening to the wrong thing. 
and thinking on the wrong thing and didn't realize they were playing right into the hands of the enemy. And this doesn't happen, you know, just overnight necessarily, but over a period of time, they just prayed less, went to church less and less and less and listened to other things more and more and more and became hard-hearted and bitter and now they are in the wilderness. They are dry. To them it seems like there is no God. They have no experience of Him. They don't have the joy. They don't have the peace. They're backslid. They're out of fellowship with God. Mad at God. And that's, you know, uh, people will say on one day they don't believe in God and then by the end of the week, well, they're mad at God. Right. Well, that, how can you be mad at God if there is no God? <laughs> But see, that's one of the characteristics of unbelief is blaming others. Now, see, we've, we've talked about two, and I've actually jumped ahead a little bit, but we'll come back and see why I say that. But you already see the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 10, but complaining and blaming. Are there church folks that are doing that? Well, see, they've already got a problem with unbelief, and they don't realize it. And some, some of these same folks are going, well, God, why has it been so long? And why don't I have this? And why hasn't this happened? Well, you're in unbelief. You're still in unbelief. And haven't gotten out of it and gotten into faith yet. Even though you've been around it. Think about these people that he's talking about. What did they see in Egypt? Did they see God move? Yes. They saw God move like nobody on earth had ever seen God move or heard of God moving. You talk about miracles. You talk about astounding, I mean stupefying miracles in front of your face. Culminating with a wind blowing the Red Sea apart and congealing it so that they walked across on dry land, two million people, and then Moses reached his staff out and it closed in on the probably the, the most advanced military in the world of the time and wiped them all out with one motion. And so their enemies are gone. Their captors are dead. They don't have to go back. Nobody's going to make them go back to Egypt or force them back into slavery. Nobody, the ones are going to kill them. They're all dead. What's next? Canaan lands that way. And after all that, every time a problem came up, the best they could come up with is, we're all going to die out here. Is unbelief a danger? Yes. It is. And not just then, and not just with them, it always has been. And it is to this current day. It, it's, it's something that's in the world pervasive. And it's always trying to creep in on you. It's always something trying to push you to be negative. Trying to push you to talk death and defeat. Trying to push you to be unthankful and disrespectful. To gripe and murmur and complain and blame others. That is not just innocent stuff. That's not just being human. That's unbelief trying to rob you of what Jesus bought and paid for. 
things we should be enjoying in this life. And man, you gotta, you gotta be a trooper. You, you gotta be strong in the Lord. You gotta set your face and say, uh-uh, I am not yielding to this evil stuff. I don't care. I'm in the world, but I'm not of this world. I don't have to think like this. I don't have to talk like this. I will watch my mouth with his help. I will watch my mind with his help. I will give no place to the evil one. I will speak no words that he can confirm and work with. I will speak life. I will speak truth. I will speak faith. I will trust my God. Can you say amen, class? Hallelujah. But it won't happen accidentally. You'll have to, every morning when you wake up, uh, do you remember the phrase, fight, the good fight of faith? Does that sound like doing nothing? Going, ah, don't worry about it. <laughs> It'll be all right. Nah, it's not a deal. You know, unbelief's not a deal for me. Why? Why are you so amazingly different from other people? <laughs> that unbelief, you're just impervious to it. It just doesn't bother you. Now, the folks that talk that way are already yielding to some and don't realize it. It's subtle. The enemy never comes to the front door with a pitchfork. Ever. <laughs> He's tricky. He's crafty. He always comes in the back door. He always comes in from the side. He, he always dresses it up in a way so you won't recognize it, he hopes. Which is why we come to faith school. Amen. It's why we feed ourselves on these words, right? And we learn what he said. And so we can go, uh-uh, oh, no, I see you. I see you. I, I am not talking that depression. Amen. Amen. I, and, and a lot of times you need to open up your mouth and say, depression, I resist you. Leave me. I got a lot of things to be thankful for today. Amen. Is that right? Amen. I'm not going to sit around and cry and feel sorry for myself about what I don't have or what I can't do or because there's problems out there. We saw that, didn't we? In, in fact, turn back there to Numbers 14. Let me just remind you of it. We saw that was their response. In Numbers 14, when the spies came back, and brought the report. And then uh, ten of them said, it's a land where you will die. It's a land that will eat you up. And we, we, we cannot fight them. We cannot do anything with them. And ver when they said that, chapter 14, verse 1, all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. Stop right there. What is a an identifier of evil unbelief. Crying. Not a happy cry. A feeling sorry for yourself cry. Is not okay. Do we need to talk about these things? Do, we need, do you see why I'm talking about them? Because see people are just laying in the bed. Crying their eyes out. Feeling sorry for themselves. Having depression. You know. Problems for a week at a time. And thinking, and then asking, God, why aren't things working? Well, because you're in unbelief. You never got out of, out of unbelief. Unbelief robbed them. And it'll rob you too. Now the next thing people will say is, well, I can't help it. Another lie. If you couldn't help it, God would be unreasonable 
to expect you to do something different. It's a lie that I can't help but be depressed. Why? Because I can choose what I think on. I can choose what I look at, what I listen to, what I talk about. Right? Can I or not? Then I can choose whether I'm depressed or not. And if you say, well, I can't, yeah, but you don't understand. Yeah, but I've been diagnosed this or that. Well, then you're stuck. You can't be helped. You're stuck. Because you believe a lie. What do you think they believed here that night? What if you were to come to their tent and they're crying their eyes out? They did it all night long. They lifted up their voice and cried, so they cried loud. The people wept that night. If you'd have come in the tent and said, oh, no, quit that, quit that, they'd have run you out of there. Is that right? Because when Joshua and Caleb stood up and said, we can do it, they picked up stones to kill them. They were ready to stone them. Why? Unbelief hates faith. It despises it. It's an irritant to it. Because in your heart, you know you could do better. But in your head, you don't want to acknowledge that. You're being spiritually lazy when you won't resist depression and fear and hopelessness. You you know, there's a a twisted uh, feeling of, of in the flesh that the flesh likes to just abandon to hopelessness. I can't. I just can't. I can't. What does that mean? I have no responsibility now. It's not my fault. Nothing that happens from this point on is my fault because it's just, it's too much. Nobody could expect it to be. Hold on. Caleb's not acting that way. Joshua's not crying in his tent. Hmm? Are y'all with me? Yeah, but did you see the judge? Yeah, they saw him. Yeah, but do you know how far we've come and how hard it's been? And, and how, yeah, and do you know how you are blowing it? You are messing up your life by laying here crying and feeling sorry for yourself? Acting like there's no God. Acting like he didn't tell you, I've already given you the land and now I want you to go get it. See, th- this is not innocent. The Bible calls it an evil heart. Of unbelief. There's a rebellion in this. Yeah, but I, you don't know. And I can't. I'm telling you, I, I know I can't. That's rebellion. See, that's an anger. Can you see that? That's not innocent. It's not ignorant. It's defiance. Evil unbelief. Come on, sit out loud, class. I'm not going to do that. I'm a, by the grace of God. I will not cry and feel sorry for myself. I refuse to do it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, what if you won't do that? Two individuals went back to their tents and had a good sleep that night and did not cry and did not, uh, you know, blame other people. Joshua didn't. Caleb didn't. What happened to them? Out of all those hundreds of thousands, they were the only ones that got miracles. Oh, come on, can you see that? If you do something different, 
you get something different. Right? You cry with the rest of the crowd. And, and, and there we, I'm telling you, if you want to cry and feel sorry for yourself and take loads of drugs and everything else, there will be people on every talk show. There will be people in all kinds of professions. There will be plenty of Christians and preachers that will tell you you're, you, you can't help it, that will coddle you. The problem is you will die in the wilderness. 30 years later, you'll be worse than ever if you live that long. I know some of this is straight, but this is a fight. Is that right? We got to what? Fight. The good fight of faith. What are we using our faith to overcome? This series we're talking about overcoming this nasty, ugly, evil, stinking thing that God hates, this unbelief. And it is more, it's more subtle, it's more deceptive than people have thought. And that's why the scripture is telling us in Hebrews, telling us in 1 Corinthians, warning us, take heed, watch out, so that what happened to them doesn't happen to you. And if we'll take him seriously, by the grace of God, it won't happen to us. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But crying all night, feeling sorry for yourself, no longer available to us. Amen. Oh, come on, class. I said, no, no longer. Maybe you've done it for years and years. But now you know better, so no longer available. What do we do? You dry your eyes, you get your little self up, you get to moving, you get to talking faith. Come on, are y'all with me? You get to saying, uh-uh, no, it is not hopeless. Nothing's impossible with God. God's with me. He's in me. He's for me. He'll show me what to do. Is that right? You start talking faith. You start talking victory. You refuse to let this ugly stuff rob you. Of your blessings and benefits that God wants you to have. Say it out loud, everybody. Let's join with everybody that's watching. Say it out loud. Hopelessness. Hopelessness. Fear. fear, Depression. depression, Leave me. I resist you. I refuse refuse to yield to you any longer. longer. I'm strong in the Lord. And in the power of His might. His joy. Is my, is my strength. Hallelujah. 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 Our time's up again. You got to come back with us next time because there's much more to see here in Faith School. At the end of every week, I like to uh, pray and speak over all our partners. It's because of the Lord through you that we are continually able to do this and reach out with these broadcasts. Thank you for being hooked with us. Did you notice in that last class we were talking about, you know, not feeling sorry for ourselves and not being upset? Well, you can be upset about financial things. You can be mad. You can be scared. But uh, that won't help you. That will not pay a bill. I know the Lord said to me one time, frustration isn't faith. And he said that to me because I was getting frustrated over some financial stuff. I want you to pray it out loud with me. Say it out loud with me. Father... I cast all the care of all my financial matters over on you. I cast it off of me, the worry, the anxiety, the fear. I cast it off of me and on you, and I receive the peace of God. Hallelujah. And now I'm praying over you, Lord, for all our partners. I claim extra coming in. Go, ministering spirits and cause abundance to come into their hands. I agree with them. 
We call every bill paid. We call every need met. We call every obligation fulfilled. Thank you for meeting all our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We love you. Stand and believe in with you. We'll see you again soon back here in Faith School. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.